Welcome to Head of the Class, a podcast produced by Our Schools USA. We are Christina Gagne, the former school board member, and Christy Hurst, a former teacher and current public school parent. Book bans are coming to communities across the country where one would never imagine, even two years ago, that they would be faced with such harmful policies and tactics. This podcast is part of a three-part series. We just want to give a brief refresher on what we have covered and then jump into this week's topic. In the first episode, we define what we mean by book bans. Since far-right extremists are not just implementing obvious book bans, i.e. removing a book from a classroom or school library, they're also doing things that include dismantling parent review committees for books, adopting new policies where they already exist, overt bans by request of parents to the board, banning vendors like Scholastic and replacing them, and finally, creating library media policies that hide the ball but are actually book bans. In the second episode, we address the AstroTurf groups and websites who are pushing this agenda by taking a specific focus on a few of the newer groups who have effectuated these bans. The newest rounds of bans are not being propelled in a one-off fashion, i.e. a concerned parent or family member taking their concern about a particular book to the school library or public library. This is something schools have experience with and normally have some sort of policy to address. These latest rounds of bans and ban adjacent strategies are driven by lists of books being created by groups and websites. So these parents and others hyping book bans in schools have probably never even read the books they seek to ban, and they may not have ever even seen it. This is all a part of a national top-down movement with groups like Moms for Liberty, an agenda stoked by far-right groups and donors to create fear around what is being taught in public schools. On this podcast, the last in the series, we're going to address the strategies and tactics, both preemptive and reactive, to fight back against these bans and ban adjacent strategies. I think a common question that we are getting is where to start in our local schools with book bans, and they're coming for local schools for sure. And by the way, this is hitting traditional public schools as well as public charter schools. Well, before you start reacting or organizing, you first need to get a handle on what the current policy is in your school district. So your district could take on several types of features. So first, there are campus review processes. So some school districts have decided at the district office level that it'll actually be handled at the site level. And so the school administration at your site might have a process in place that they follow that is given to them by the district office. And so, for example, a parent might have the ability to submit a complaint about a book and the campus through the principal and the other administrative staff may have a way to review that and give a determination on that book. Additionally, the campus review process might also escalate to the district office or to the school board. But again, you want to understand sort of where the process starts. And when we talk about school board issue advocacy, and we have plenty of trainings on this, we always advise to find out where you start. Who is your initial audience? Who is the initial person with whom would handle something like a book ban challenge? The second thing that might exist in your district, and this could run, you know, sort of as part of the campus review process or a second step in the campus review process, or maybe just the district office handles this all together, is that the district office has a book review process. So, for example, a parent complaint gets routed from the campus to the district office and the district office and district office staff and the superintendent has designated someone in the district office that has a process to vet the complaint. And so, again, make sure you understand existing processes at the district level as well as the policies that exist at the district and campus level. 
So a third component that you'll usually see in these um, policies is there'll be a parent review committee. So a lot of districts implemented parent review committees, and these committees are composed of teachers, administrators, parents, and everyone in the community will read the book and then discuss it. And what's interesting is that what you find when these processes are followed, where you have this committee that all read the book and you have like a wide range of opinions, almost always across the board, the committee will decide to keep the book on the shelves. So I think that's really interesting to note is that following this process, you know, really engages your community. And usually it results in the community having a better understanding of the value in pieces of literary work. And uh, this process, like I was saying, actually more often leads to a, a better community understanding. Yeah, and I think that's important. And if you are in a community that you are starting to have rumblings of book banning and you have far right extremists starting to post about it on social media or someone comes to a school board meeting, you know, you might want to be proactive and suggest that there is a parent review committee or similar committee if you don't already have some form of process in your district. Because, you know, we've talked to, you know, people across the country in very diverse communities who have these parent review committees. And one, you know, when everybody reads the book and has a discussion, it's collaborative. You're all working together towards a common goal, which is, is this book age appropriate? Is this book something that should be in our school libraries? But two, there's a forum for everyone to be heard, which is important. Um, it hits the checkbox of parent involvement. Parents have the opportunity to see the book, hear about the book, hear different perspectives on the book. And, you know, that's really also community building around the curriculum because people have that involvement. They have that buy-in. But finally, from a, a media, from a communications, from a public relations perspective, you then have this diverse group of people who've all said, you know what, after we reviewed the book and we read the book and we talked about the book, we can now stand behind this decision to keep the book. And that, to me, is a win for the community. It's a win for the school district. And funnily enough, one of the things that the parents' rights movement is trying to undermine is parent review committees, which is like, again, one of the great ironies of these far-right extreme groups is that they take away opportunities for parents to be engaged. So just wanted to point that out. But look at your existing policy. Your school board probably has a policy. And if you don't know where to find it, you know, the best thing you could do is drop an email to somebody in your district office. Like your superintendent is not someone living in some glass mansion that you don't have access to. Like drop the superintendent an email and ask, what is our existing policy? And they might, you know, traffic direct you to whoever in the district handles that. But find out what your existing policy is. If they try to put up roadblocks to giving it to you, submit a public records request for that existing policy. But that's your baseline to figure out what your district is or is not doing around books and curriculum is to figure out what the policy is. Also, does your district allow parents to opt out from reading materials? And we're pointing this out because that used to be the focus and party line of the far right extreme groups and the Christian nationalists. It was, you know what? We want to have the right to opt our children out of that book. 
it wasn't everybody's child is now going to be opted out of reading that book or having that freedom to learn around that particular piece of literature. So we want to make sure that, you know, that's something else you understand because you want to be armed and ready if this becomes a debate in your school district with, if parents already can opt out from a book, you know, make that public, that those parents have that choice in their family and their household to not access that book. But that shouldn't take away every other parents and every other student's rights in the community. Also make sure you very thoroughly read new proposals that are set forth because they come in multiple formats. So sometimes when there's changes to existing policies, they are sort of hidden in the existing policy and they're hard to understand how things are being changed. So for example, some things are crossed out, some things are added in bold or they're capitalized. Um, entirely new paragraphs will be added that sometimes actually don't align or make sense given the existing policy. Um, you know, they put forth policies again that sometimes contradict other policies that are board policies for your school district. So, you know, this is something that, you know, as an organization, we're happy to help with. But, you know, if you are going to tackle this on your own, like just make sure you really sit down with new proposals and try to understand them to the extent possible. And if you have questions, you know, don't hesitate to talk to the teachers in your district. Don't hesitate to go talk to the administrators. Like, try to get clarity around what is being proposed because sometimes there will be good reasons for new proposals, but other times, yes, they are going to be politicized proposals that are being pushed by far-right extremists. Now, finally, we recommend checking to see if the new proposed process or policies are actually legal. So, you know, you can start by checking on state laws and state ed code. Uh, A couple of states have actually recently passed uh, legislation that doesn't uh, sort of protects the state against these book banning policies. So you can check for that. Um, When you do that, obviously, you're going to have to check for how it's enforced, who to complain to. So you are ready to go. Um, Check for any local regulations with your county board of education office. Uh, You know, where do you fall under them? I would check with them also. And that's also a resource you can email. You are allowed to email the county board of ed. You are allowed to public record request the county board of ed looking for their policies around, you know, book um, approvals or book bans or book issues. So those are two, you know, larger steps you can take as you move through this process. The next thing you really want to look at is what's being said in your community. Uh, That is, you need to keep track of what's happening on social media, what's being said, um, you know, in your school board meetings. You're going to get the first rumblings of this coming by paying attention to what people are saying. Uh, That's a really good way to cue in and know something might be coming up. Are there accounts talking about your local school schools? I would follow them online and see what they're saying because, again, that's where you're first going to see this start to come up so you can prepare. Yes, and you want to see, you know, if you are seeing those posts on new book ban policies, where are they coming from? Where are they being driven from? Oftentimes, the first thing you're going to see is, and if you already have far-right extremists on your school board, they'll start posting on Instagram or TikTok or whatever social media Things from, you know, larger organizations or things from organizations who are behind book bans or there are these large mega churches who are Christian nationalists and they will start posting about this and you'll see the reshares. And so probably the first thing you're going to see, and we've seen this throughout California and throughout the country, is you're going to see a wave of reshares about book banning stuff. And some of it will be very sensational right now. A lot of it's about pornography in books, um, which... 
clearly is laughable, uh, but that's their party line right now is pornography and books. And we're trying to root out pornography. Those are the first things you're going to see are probably reshares from larger groups or outside organizations. Then you might see your local, whatever that group is in your community or whoever those people are in your community start to turn those allegations inward to your school district. So this is all being pushed from state level organizations and national organizations. They start pushing their messaging and then they encourage people at the local school district level to start making allegations and saying there are certain things that are in our public schools. And more often than not, what they are saying is incorrect because they are being fed a line of, excuse me, bull. It is. I mean, they're being told that certain things are in certain books. They're being told that certain books are accessed at certain grade levels. You know, they're getting all this information and they're not fact checking it. They're not saying, hey, you know, is what this national organization telling me right or is it happening here in my district? They're taking it at face value. And so this really does start with these national groups as resharing. Um, but also listen to what parents and teachers are saying at your school sites. I mean, schools are, are tiny communities, essentially. And so, you know, you know who the people at your school are who are cued into what's happening, whether they work at the school, their parents at the school, like kind of the who's who, the PTA, you know, you have an idea of who those people are. And if they start to talk about this type of stuff coming to, you know, the community or coming to the school board, you know, key into that and take that as an alert. That's the time to start organizing. So, you know, I, I really think being attuned to and dialed into the conversations around policymaking and what's happening in your public schools is critically important. So step three is your talking points. You want to start communicating effectively and quickly and having some really good talking points ready to go is a really effective way to get your community on board and understanding and being sort of aligned together so that your message has a greater impact. Highly, highly recommend using public social media accounts to communicate. And public being one of the key features here. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we know that a lot of you are organizing, you know, through private social media accounts. And that totally makes sense from an organizing perspective. You're sometimes trying to do things that you don't want public view of before you actually, you know, show up to a board meeting and do an organizing action. Um and we know there's been a lot of hesitancy to use public social media for fear of harassment. Trust me, um, I can speak from personal experience and Christy can also attest to this. You know, we've had our share of social media harassment when I was on the board. You know, I couldn't even block really nasty comments because I was a public official. So we know how these people can be, um, but it's a strategy. It's not personal. We will keep saying this till the end of time. Like it has nothing to do with you. They're trying to wear you down. And you just have to ignore it. I know that's easy for us to say, but we've also experienced it. But this is one of the best ways to shed light on issues like book banning. Because if you, you know, are on Instagram or, you know, TikTok, you can make videos that easily explain the issue. You could go pick up a book they're making an allegation about and flip through the pages and show, you know, no, no pornographies in here. Um, you know, you can make carousels, you know, in Canva. You can make little posts that are shareable. You can actually, you know, record speeches at your school board meetings and, you know, share them, make eye-catching graphics. But no one's going to see or be exposed. You're not going to get people's attention unless you're public about it. So we highly endorse having public social media. You know, it's one of the things that, you know, we do with our chapters is, you know, you'll, you'll probably see the little you know, graduation cap logo of ours like popping up more and more these days. But the reason for that is when people are vocal in their communities around issues and they're educating, people pay attention and it makes a difference. And, you know, we're going to do a whole podcast on last night's election, but 
in the communities where there was public social media and they were out there telling the truth, those elections brought back good people to school boards. And I think then also you want to make sure once you have your talking points ready, bring them with you and hand them out at school board meetings. You can help the community by giving them help in speaking. You know, people can come and make public comment at these meetings. And a lot of times people are really nervous and they don't know what to say. If you reiterate the same talking points and you're all staying on the same message, it's much more effective in getting the message out to the greater community. So bringing them to the board meeting and having them sort of, you know, printed out for everyone, they can pick and choose what they are most um, concerned with saying, but you have those ready to go to help people. Yeah, you want to make there to be no barriers to entry. Um, you know, going to school board meetings, even just showing up and attending can be very overwhelming for some people. And if you hand them a couple things to say, you know, it's much easier for them to participate. And it's much easier for people to understand sort of generally like how parents are feeling uh, as well as to be redundant in the message. And that feeds into our next point, which is engage with local media. I mean, many communities, you know, still have a community paper or you may have a regional paper. Like, make sure that your local reporters are aware that book banning is going to be on the agenda. Make sure they're aware of that there's a key school board meeting where this might be discussed. And that's where this repetition comes into play and in giving people talking points. Um, you know, you you might see us quoted in news outlets and say, can't Christy and Christina come up with anything new to say? Because we keep saying the same things all the time. It's not that we can't come up with new things to say. It's that, you know, we stay on message. Like we have a message we want to get out. Same thing for you. Like come up with those three or four talking points or however many talking points, probably three or four is the best number. And just keep like hammering them and hammering them and hammering them. Why? Because let's say a couple reporters show up and write about the meeting. It's more likely to get in the news coverage of what happened at the meeting and your message is going to get out to a wider audience. So just keep that in mind, you know, as you are organizing that you want to try to leverage the media and, you know, you can find the media on social media, you know, you know what your local papers are. Again, these are all people that you can at reply, you can email, like, do not be afraid to engage. And so with that, what should you be communicating around this idea of book banning? And I want to start off by saying these are talking points that we did not just pluck out of thin air. So, you know, we looked at a lot of polling results. We have you know, partners where they have already seen book bans massively taking over their school boards. Um, we are seeing it in our own chapters, what's happening. So these talking points, I think it's important to like really understand, like you don't need to get into the weeds and go back and forth with people. You need to stick to your talking points because they really are going to encompass everything you need to say. And that's one thing you'll be aware of as you develop talking points that you want to use in your community. So one thing that is a really essential to express that all parents should be able to make choices for their own families. These book bans that are being put into place, they want to control what everybody gets to read, not just their kids. They want to control what all of our kids have access to. And so that is not parent rights. That is taking away rights from the rest of us. A few parents, another point I would say, a few parents should not control what Books all families have access to. Again, back to that point. Access to more books in pre
improves learning. And we're actually going to have a whole podcast on this later. But I think if you're in the world of education, you know this to be true. And you know, there's this idea that a wide, a diverse literature um, library, having access to that, it gives kids the opportunity to have like mirrors and windows. You know, they can see themselves in characters and that improves students' well-being and learning. And then they can also have a window into somebody else's perspective, which also expands on, you know, their learning and their abilities. So these book bans are another effort by politicians to insert themselves into our schools and our classrooms. It is politicians pushing their own personal political agendas for their own political advancement and using our schools to do that. Also, the next thing is to trust in teachers. So there's been so much blowback for zero reason against teachers. I mean, I can't imagine working in schools with far right boards where the people who are my effectively, you know, the board of directors saying what happens where I work are calling me names, saying I can't be trusted, calling me a groomer. But trust in teachers, like they have expertise in determining what books to teach and we trust teachers in so many ways. Just think of all the ways that parents and community members trust teachers. And so we're continually taking concerns to our children's teachers. And so that's something that you should also emphasize. Um, why are we trusting right-wing politicians with an agenda with our children's reading? I mean, that's kind of like a question to ask and to throw out there is why, why are we trusting these right-wing politicians? Like what, what expertise do they have in this? Why are they focusing on this? Why are they trying to come into schools and telling parents what their children should and shouldn't have access to? And then finally, focus on themes. So access is a key theme that people can understand, the freedom to learn. So if you're thinking about visuals and signs and things that are easy to remember, the freedom to learn is very easy to remember. And we've seen that successfully used um, you know, in this debate, in this new foray across the country. And then protecting students' education. Um, those are all things that I think are thematically things that are easy to understand, easy to put on signs, you know, easy to share on social media as sort of the larger themes. And then Christy kind of went into some of the core talking points. And we will be sharing all of this, you know, in posts on our social media at Our Schools USA. And so if you weren't able to catch them in the podcast, we'll have them in a written form for you to use. I also want to turn to the polling. So, you know, we always want to check ourselves before we tell you to go out and do something. That's a core part of what we believe in at Our Schools USA is we don't sit here in a vacuum and try to <laughs> figure out like what we should be communicating. We work collaboratively, we do our research, you know, we engage in our own uh, research. Um, but, you know, looking at external polling that is outside of the work that we've done, um, you know, there are polls that indicate that, you know, half, if not more, of Republicans oppose banning books in public schools. So, you know, not to make this completely political, but it actually, you know, it's, it's, it's one group and one side, you know, making this the issue. But, you know, overwhelmingly, um, you're seeing that, you know, people don't like the idea of book bans. Um, and then most parents and even organizations that are pro school privatization, um, organizations that generally like, you know, don't align with pro public education organizations have gone out and pulled on this and parents don't like it. It's a distraction. It's unnecessary. And most parents are worried about things. And one of the number one things parents are worried about is my child's literacy level. 
their reading achievements? Like, how are they doing? This runs counter to that concern. And so when parents hear about the fact that a couple of parents get to come into a school and rip books off the shelves, or there's not going to be enough books available for kids to read, they really don't like it. So, you know, this is an issue that, you know, has been picked by far-right extremists. We, we don't understand their sort of wheel. They keep spinning to come up with these new issues. Um, but, you know, this is one of those ones where I don't think they're going to see wins unless people don't stand up and say something because this is not popular. And so this is one of those issues where I think it's very easy to explain. And, and Christy, I'd love to get your feedback on this. It's easy to explain to people what's going on. I think it's easy to get support from a diverse array of people on this issue because it's just even historically people have a bad negative view of book bans and where it's happened historically. And so this is one where you can get a community win. I agree 100%. This is an issue that is wildly unpopular and not just among parents, but among all people. There's a lot of historical context to this. And People are opposed to book banning. That's why you're seeing these people who want to ban books trying to say we're not banning books. That's why you see them saying that because they know this is not a popular issue, but they're playing to their base. So knowing this is not a popular issue and knowing you can, you know, people are opposed to this, move forward and just be aware that while your community is against it, people have to know about it. This has been Head of the Class, a podcast produced by Our Schools USA. Once again, we are Christina Gagne, the former school board member. And Christy Hurst, a former teacher and current public school parent. And always remember, don't get mad. Get organized.